and that's fast, right? So 157 miles an hour, we'll take a two by four and, and stuff it through a tree. Now that's how fast 157 miles an hour is. And so uh, number one rule is you duck, right? I mean, if you're ever caught in a hurricane, you stay low to the ground. But, uh, and they said that the surge is like 18 feet of water coming out of the, out of the Atlantic Ocean. And, um, uh, and they're not sure where it's gonna, I think it's Tampa, so it's really far down south. Uh, of uh, Florida, but we'll get some rain here from that. You know, we, if you look at the weather map, you know, those hurricanes are, are just ginormous. You know, I can imagine the first person that was in Florida, I'm sure they're like, why is nobody here? This is so nice, you know, because it wasn't very inhabited, right? And so they're like, wow, this place is great until the first hurricane showed up. Like, ah, okay, that makes sense, right? Because, you know, the reason why everything looks so clean because the hurricane comes and wipe everything out. You think about, you know, these wooden houses and, you know, whatever settlements they had, you know, they'd just be wiped clean off the face of the earth and then it's like, wow, nobody's ever visited here. Well, actually, thousands of people have, but they're all gone right now. They're all floating in the, in the Gulf of Mexico. But, um, and so uh, that's uh, things that Florida has to deal with, you know. And we'll get rain, but we won't get anything like they get, of course, from all of that. But, uh, but we do know a couple of people. I think uh, Miss Diane, remember Miss Diane Wassel, that, uh, she's living down in Florida now and she's right in the middle of all that, right? And, uh, and then, of course, Tracy... You know, Tracy uh, um, started coming a little while ago. He's got a daughter uh, down. I think he said she was in Tampa trying to get uh, north, at least up to Orlando. Um, and so <coughs> I'd encourage us to, as you, as you uh, think about it, pray for the people that are there for safety, for protection, that uh, they'll be able to weather the storm well. And, and um, it's just... Uh, um, it's just of living in a fallen world right we have to use our faith every day to overcome these things and um i was talking uh we had faith school today uh we do it uh, with some folks uh actually different locations but most of them are, are in ireland and um uh, and so we do a zoom call and uh, and then we have uh we go through a bunch of scriptures and teach them on different aspects of faith and they get to ask a lot of questions but you know at the beginning of it uh, i was just telling them how uh, when I was actually when I was mowing the grass yesterday, you know, sometimes I'll put on a teaching tape. Sometimes I'll put on Christian music, and I, I just uh, was listening to Christian music yesterday. And it's like one song after another song was just about how, you know, Lord, uh, uh, I, I've been I've been so bad, but you know, you're so good, and you're going to take me out of these things. And Lord, you know, um, uh, my heart is broken. You know, my my life is overwhelming, but you know, you're going to help me and. Uh, Lord, you know, I don't do right, but you're going to help me do better tomorrow. And uh, But every song was, there wasn't a single song of victory. It wasn't a single song of, Lord, uh, I cannot be defeated. Lord, it doesn't matter what devil shows up, I can't be overcome. Lord, it doesn't matter what the devil does, I can speak the name of Jesus and every knee will bow. Uh, it was all about, you know, we're broken and we're, we're wounded and we're hurt and, you know, we, we have weaknesses. And, 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 you know, there is some truth to that. Um, like many things, except for the one that was singing about um, uh, a broken heart. Sometimes we just got to basically lose it or something. It was a really dumb song. And, um, uh, and you know, you can tell how spiritual we are by the, the, by the wounds and the scars that we have or something like that, you know. And I'm thinking, I thought my Bible says that he heals the brokenhearted. And if Jesus heals something, you reckon there's any scars left from his healing? No, he has no scars, you know. Uh, but, you know, if you got no scars to show for all the battles you've been through, people think, well, you haven't been through anything. Well, I've been through a lot of battles. I just come out as a victor, right? You know, the, the seven 
uh, or the three Hebrew children that was, were in the fire, they came out. How many, how many scars do they have from being in the fire? They have third-degree burns and, and then scars all over the rest of the body. Yeah, this is when the king came and threw us in there, you know, but we, we held strong, and although we've got all these scars, you know, but they're just a testimony of, of, of how we, you know, toughed it out for God's sake. And No, they're like, nothing, you know. Don't even smell like smoke. And if somebody saw them the next week, they go, you ain't been through anything. Oh, well, let me tell you about it, right? Uh, and, you know, that's the church we're supposed to be. They're not even Christians. They, weren't, they didn't have the name of Jesus. They, they weren't born again. They didn't have the power of God. They didn't really have the whole Bible like we've got. They had parts of the Old Testament. But they came out not smelling like smoke. Uh, that's the way the church should be, right? Uh, and that's the songs we should sing. And, and this dribble, you know, just constant, you know, Lord... You know, it, and the thing, the thing that I observed, and if you listen to it, you know, you, this makes sense. When you haven't listened to all those songs, the thing I realize is they're all selfish. They're all about poor, pitiful me. Lord, I'm just so, it's so hard to be me. It's so hard, you know, it's so, my life is so hard. Then there's a dying world on the way to, to eternal damnation. And we're concerned about someone was mean to me, right? We're so centered, self-centered about how hard it is for us to do things. And, and not once thinking about, if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. What about that guy over there, right? How am I showing him how to be victorious? Because all those songs are exactly what the world deals with every day. So how are we different? If we're exactly uh, defeated and overcome and broken down and beat up and scarred and wounded like the rest of the world, what's our testimony? You know, testimony is a declaration of what the Lord has done for our lives, Amen. Uh, it's not just a testimony of eternal uh, uh, habitation with the Lord in heaven. It's a testimony of, uh, yeah, the Lord has delivered me out of them all. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord has delivered me out of all of them. And that's the testimony, right? No, no, no scars, no wounds. You know, if you, didn't, if you didn't know what I've been through, you know, my greatest desire is for people to look at me and think, he ain't got a care in the world. He's never been through anything. Because when they look at me, they, they think he's not sad, depressed, wounded, scared, you know, uh, got psychological problems, needs, needs uh, uh, all kinds of therapy. And I want them to look at me like, you know, he, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Uh, only from the standpoint of that's my testimony, that everything that comes against me, I will overcome. Every, every battle, I will be the victor. And I will be like Joshua, and not a single man will be lost. Not a single scar will be had uh, in my life that I will overcome. And yeah, some of the, some of the battles are difficult, right? Some of the battles, you know, uh, with Joshua, he spent the battle. It was so bad, he had to ask the Lord, Lord, I need you to hold off on having the sun to go down because I, I, I've got to fight more. And he did, but was he, was he victorious? He was completely victorious. Did he lose a single man in battle? Not a single man. Uh, and yeah, sometimes you do have to pray through, but at the end, are we victorious and, and do we come out not smelling like smoke? Yeah, and uh, you know, we had a friend of ours we known for years and, and just a you know, wonderful person. And, and we had gone to church together you know, with my pastor and you know many of the stories, but you know, he, was, he was an elder at one point in time and, and uh, you know, he just, uh, just he left the church because of all the unkind things that my pastor did to him that he also did to me and many other people uh, and, and he just has really floundered spiritually since then since that time that my pastor's been gone since 2007 so that's what 15 years ago right 15 years ago and he's still struggling spiritually to, to find his way 
uh, and he, uh, he, he came and visited our church one time, just one time, uh, actually twice, but once for the first day, and then once he visited after that, we were over in Putnam County, and uh, just in tears, he said, you know, you and Chris, he said, uh, uh, in fact, he used those words, you know, you've come out of this, and you don't even smell like smoke, and you're so happy and full of joy, and, and we are, because those things happened, right, they were real, but they don't define who I am. I'm not defined by the battle scars of the past because I have no battle scars. I don't have any wounds that are trying to heal. That's just psychology, right? That's, that's the world. That's how they deal with things, right? Oh, here it goes again. Well, there's never here it goes again for me because I've already made it past that. So it's not again. It's, you know, bring it on. I won a hundred times before. I'll win again. Amen. Uh, and, and so it's just... Uh, you got to be careful because it, because real faith requires a lot of diligence on our part. We have to stay the course, right? Because there's so much pressure, even from the church. And, you know, a lot of Christian songs are great and, and, and they help us worship the Lord. But a lot of them are just, just, you know, they're no different than the Psalms of old, right? And people tell us some of these, uh, some of the Psalms are hymns, right? Some of them are hymn books, right? A lot of the hymn books, you know, the ones written by Charles Wesley were usually really good, right? But then you get uh, Mr. Doubt and Unbelief and it's just all, you know, on the... Uh, on the uh, uh, Jordan River we stand, right? On Stormy Banks or Jordan River we stand, right? And cast a wistful eye and, and look, you know, to a fair and happy land, you know. Uh, and, and I don't know the words because I never actually sung that song, but I've heard people talk about that particular song. Anybody know that song, right? If we stand on Stormy Banks of the Jordan River, cast a wistful eye. <laughs> like someday it'll be good, but right now it's just tough, right? And that's the song. Uh, well, that was written 100 years ago. People still sing it in church. But we're no different today. You know, there are a lot of the songs we sing in the, in the contemporary Christian songs, you know, a lot of, not the songs that we do here, but, um, but a lot of the songs, same thing. Someday it'll be good, but right now it's really hard. Well, it doesn't have to be someday. It can be right now. Yeah, are there things to deal with? Absolutely, right? But do we have the victory in, er in everything? Well, we can't, and we should, right? Uh, because there are things to do. If every little thing uh, and, and every big thing stops us in our tracks, how are we able to advance the kingdom of heaven? You know, and, 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 and that's not, we're not trying to say that there's not things to deal with. There are always things to deal with, right? There are people to deal with, situations to deal with, financial things to deal with, uh, work things to deal with, just things, right? Things that you've got to deal with, right? Uh, but do we have the victory? Uh, we can have the victory, right? Um, and so... Uh, my greatest desire is to is to instill in the church a a, um, a a general attitude of I can be victorious in every single thing because that's what First John chapter five says right this is the victory that overcomes the world even what our faith right so our faith is what gives us the victory in every in the whole world right this is the victory that overcomes the world even so it's my faith right it's it's not uh, will God come down and intervene no. God's already intervened. He gave me faith. He already intervened. He gave me the spirit. He already intervened. He gave me the word. He already intervened. He gave me the name of Jesus. He's already intervened. Uh, and so I take the tools that he's given to me and I, and, I, and, I, and I respond like David. I run to the battle. I run to the giant. You know, I'm not going to be scared of these things. You want to mess with me? Then, then uh, you know, uh, and, I, and I have no desire to harm anybody. I will not harm anyone. And, and um it's not about, you know, sometimes we kind of take that off into, uh, into natural things. Well, I don't harm anybody, right? Uh, but, but I'm not going to lose the battle. I'm not going to lose 
Uh, I'm not going to lose a battle. You know, sometimes you lose a battle, but you'll win the war. I'm not, I don't plan on losing a single battle. That's not, not my plan. Oh, you win some, you lose some. I win them all. Uh, and that's my faith, right? Uh, and have I, ever, have I ever lost? Well, no doubt. There have been things that, you know, I didn't do exactly right or didn't uh, get onto it as quickly as I could have. But I'm not going to dwell on those things. You know, if, uh, if I need to explain them and talk about them, I and mean, I've told you all many of, of the failures of my own life, right, over the years of things that I didn't do right, and the Lord had to correct me, and, uh, and I have no problem with doing that because I'm going to learn. Because if I fail today, whatever, whatever I failed at, okay, I will learn that I won't ever fail that way again, right? I'll, I'll, I'll pick up and do better tomorrow. So, so I just want to encourage you all, you know, uh, uh, a lot of preaching on, on Christian television is that way, right? Uh, it's all defeated. It's all broke down. It's all never going to make it. Uh, but it's, if you listen to it, it's very, it's very self-centered. It's all about me and my problems. Me, 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 me. It's not about that guy out there needs to be healed. That, that person's child is sick, and he's, he's not a Christian. He doesn't know anything about getting healing, but I do. I can pray for that person's child, get them healed, and the whole family go to heaven. Uh, that's, the, that's the life that we're supposed to have, right? And all of us have that ability, right? It's not just the pastor who goes out and prays for the sick children. All of us can do that, right? Uh, all of us have that capacity. We have the Spirit of God in us, right? And that's, that's, our, that's our commission. We're here on this earth for them. If all of them were fixed and, and ready to go to heaven, we'd all go to heaven right now, right? Or if, if we'd gone to all of them and they'd made a decision, right or yes or no, right or wrong, once we get through them all, then, then it'll be time to go, right? And so, so I just want to encourage you about that. You know, ha- have, a, have a note of victory in your life. Be a victorious person in your life. Don't, don't succumb to the standard Christian mentality that, oh, it's so hard and, you know, you just, I got all these wounds and, you know, but you're the healer of my heart, Lord, and, you know, one person, I mean, one song said something about to get a broken heart. You know, sometimes the way to heal a broken heart is just to cry it out. You know, something like that, you know. And I'm like, sometimes you just got to cry, you know. And the song was like, hey, it's not, it's, it, it, you know, don't think like it's wrong to cry because sometimes you just have to cry. And like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm, if I cry, fine. But I'm not going to use that as an excuse, right? Because uh, to me, if I've got to cry because somebody's unkind to me, then I'm going to straighten up next time because, Lord, uh, you've given me a shield of faith. What does a shield of faith do? It quenches how many fiery darts? All the fiery darts of the wicked, right? So if I could actually quench every fiery dart that comes my way, why would I ever get my feelings hurt? Because what happens is sometimes a fiery dart gets through and then we get our feelings hurt. Well, if I've really had a shield of faith that was really what it said it would, fire them away, shoot another one, do it again. Because this shield of faith is impenetrable. It's not, there, it's not that we're unfeeling. It's not that we don't have uh, feelings. But if, if you hurt my feelings, it's going to be seconds. Maybe a minute before I get over it. You know, I might, you know, if I'm slow, it might be a minute. But most of the time, it's fire dot gets through, and it's days, weeks, months, maybe years. Maybe some things you just don't get over. People, you ever hear people say some things, some things you can't get over? Well, that is not true. Not biblically, anyway. You can get over anything you want to, anytime you want to. Right now, this second, it doesn't take a, you know, people say, oh, I'm working on it. No, nope. it's a yes or no, right? It's either gone or it's not gone, right? And, and so that's the victory that the Lord wants us to have and live in, amen? Because you look at his life, the life of the Lord Jesus, they were so unkind to him. You know, sometimes we do things kind of maybe not perfect, you know, and somebody gets mad at us and says something like, okay, we sort of own it, right? We sort of, you know, kind of shot ourselves in the foot in that case, you know, that we kind of brought that on ourselves, uh, 
But Jesus never did any of that. And they were still all kind to him. Called him Beelzebub, right? And you think if anybody deserved to be treated well, he did. He was the kindest, most loving, caring person you'll ever meet in eternity. And they still didn't like him. So it doesn't matter what you do, they're not going to like you, amen? And they're going to say things against you, say things to you, say things about you. Um, and, and, and it always hurts worse if you're innocent, right? But it doesn't have to hurt. Shield of faith. Uh, Lord, bless them. Increase them. Be good to them. Uh, be kind to them, Lord. Speak to them. Let them know how much you love them. Uh, bless their, everything they lay their hands to. And what you'll find, if you, if you'll, and that's my offense, right? That's my offense. When somebody it, it comes against me, my offense is, Lord, I'll double up in prayers for them. Lord, I'll, I'll pray them into the greatest prosperity they've ever known. And if they, if they never recognize and, and acknowledge that it was me doing that prayer for them, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Because I'm going to be okay. If I do that, I'll be okay. Uh, and and then, then I can go on to help somebody else. Amen. But if I'm wounded and hurt and, and I'm uh, uh, curled up in a fetal position in my bedroom for days and weeks because somebody did something or uh, said something, how, who am I helping? Who am I showing my testimony to? What is my testimony? If I, if, if I have to live like the world lives and every fiery dart causes me to, to uh, stop my entire life and to build an altar right there, and, and to, uh, uh, you know, feel sorry for myself, and to, what was me, and why is it so hard, and, you know, uh, here comes, you know, I'm never going to get over this, and my heart's always aching, and that sounds like the world. That is the world. That shouldn't be the church, amen? Uh, are we uncaring? Are we unfeeling? Do we just remove all our emotions? No, the Lord never told us to remove our emotions. He gave our emotions to us, but my emotions answer to my spirit. It's not the other way around, right? And so if my emotions start to get out of whack and I start to get depressed or sad, straighten up. Go to your room, right? You know, send my depression to, not my depression, I don't have depression, but send my emotions to, to time out if they don't straighten up, amen? Uh, and so uh, is the Lord good? He is good, amen? Can we live this way? Is it, is it possible to live this way where we're not like the world and just broken down and beat up and wounded and scarred and got Band-Aids all over us and uh, and limping and, you know, got crutches because, you know, somebody did something or, you know, and those are those things real? They are real. But can we live victorious? Do we have the capacity and the right to live victorious? Well, he paid a great price for us to live that way, right? And so we should do that. And so, you know, it was just, um, I just, uh, it, it was, it was just song after song, after song, like three or four songs in a row. I was just noticing, you know, selfish, 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 selfish. And it just, it just, you know, my heart uh, just went out to them because they don't know any better. You know, nobody's taught them. Uh, and um, I guess people like songs like that. I don't know. They, they get annoying to me after a while, you know. Uh, I want to I hear the songs, you know, bring it on, right? Where's that song? <laughs> do it again. I'll overcome. If I, even if I failed to, right now, do it again. I'll, I'll succeed the second time. Amen. Uh, and so, because he's played his hand now, now I figured out. Amen. Uh, well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We'll continue there today. Um, and so we read uh, Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but to, for you it is safe. And so we talked about how we as a church have the right to rejoice in the Lord. And, of course, that's unique to the church, right? The world does not have the capacity to rejoice in the Lord. And we talked about how we can have fullness of joy. If we have fullness of joy, what could ever bother us? It didn't say uh, we are full of joy because we have no problems. He said we're full of joy because we get our prayers answered. And so if you've got a problem, what should you do about it? 
if you pray, right? If you pray and the Lord deals with the problem, well, do you have any more problems? No, you don't. If, if you had a problem and you prayed about it and the Lord delivered you from that problem, then you don't have a problem anymore, so you should be happy, right? And so what you can learn from that is then when a problem occurs, when a situation arises, then I already know that as soon as I pray, I get the answer so I can rejoice even in the middle of that, right? Sometimes people say I should rejoice, you know, for this thing. Lord, thank you that you gave me this thing in my life. Such crazy talk. We don't rejoice that, that we have a difficult situation to deal with. We rejoice that the Lord will deliver us from this difficult situation. Amen. We rejoice because we know we have the answer. We know that we have the tools. We know we have the capacity, the faith, the strength, uh, the shield of faith to get us out of the situation. So it's easy to rejoice in that situation because we're going to succeed. Uh, and, you know, that doesn't mean you have to like that situation, right? Do you like it when somebody treats you poorly? You don't have to like it like, oh, thank you, you know, do th- say that to me again. That's weird, you know, people are weird sometimes, you know. I don't have to like that, that you mistreat me. I don't have to like that that situation is there. I don't have to enjoy that situation, but I can rejoice in my heart that, well, you know, Lord, this is a thing to deal with. And sometimes for me, it's the, the biggest annoyance is not that, uh, that that thing is there. The biggest annoyance to me is I've got to take time out of my life to deal with that by faith when I could be spending my time and helping somebody else, right? And so oftentimes my annoyance is that that thing is there at all. And it's not even that the thing's going to overcome me. It's just like, Lord, I just, you know, I'm going to go deal with it. Uh, and, you know, did Jesus have to deal with things? Many times, right? They, they carried him out to the edge of the city, going to throw him off the cliff, right? And, I mean, that took time. Well, who was he not praying for when they were carrying him out to the city, right? Somebody didn't get prayed for during that time, right? And so, so sometimes just, you know, uh, my impatience of dealing with things, you know, rises up and, uh, and um, I get more annoyed about having to deal with it than, than the thing itself just because I'm not doing something else that I'd rather do, right? And so, um, but, uh, but my expectation is, okay, as soon as I deal with it, uh, I've got the victory, right? As soon as I head that direction, I'm going to run to the battle and I'll have the victory. So that's why we rejoice, amen? Do you really believe that you've got the answer to all of your problems? Then you should be able to rejoice in the Lord all the time. Uh, and uh, that doesn't mean we're always floating on cloud nine, right? You know, it's just, but we have the capacity to rejoice in the Lord, Amen. And it's to, t- to write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, and that word grievous there is troublesome or irksome. Uh, and, and he said, but for, for you, it is, it is safe. And um, I remember one thing that uh, when Dr. Ed Dufresne was on the earth, you know, he, he, was, uh, he was just a great man of God. And um, his ministry was never the same size, never grew to the same size as like, Less to some Rawls or, you know, Brother Hagen's, but, uh, you know, he was, had a fairly good-sized ministry. Uh, and the size isn't important, but uh, a lot of people had never heard of Dr. Dufresne. It was my point about that. Uh, but he, he's traveled a lot with uh, Lester Sumrall and, and Brother Hagen uh, and, and knew all these people, right? He knew all the wheels. If you know, if you know any wheels, he knew them, right? He knew them personally and um, probably had their phone numbers. And so, uh, but he, but he uh, and he stood in the office of the prophet and really toward the end of his ministry, he stood in the office of the apostle. And he said uh, he would have ministers' meetings, and I would go to a lot of these ministers' meetings. And, and he and he was helping us one time. He said, "He said all you people that stand in the office of the teacher. Well, I stand in the office of the teacher, right? 
you know, that's the standing office of the pastor teacher in my ministry. Uh, he said, he said, you all get under so much pressure to have to come up with something new. He said, you need to quit uh, striving to find some new doctrine and just preach what you know. Uh, and, you know, I understood what he was saying by that because sometimes, you know, to preach the same thing over again, you know, how many times have we talked about the, uh, how the process of being born into the world, uh, going to 1 John 1, 9, and then going through, you know, uh, the age of accountability and then having to be born again. How many times have we gone over that same rabbit path? Lots of times, right? Uh, have you got it all down yet? You know everything about that yet? Um, and so, but we've gone over that a lot, right? And we will continue to go over that because it's a good rabbit path. It's a good thing to know and understand about how that works and why when a baby is born and if, if, if a terrible thing happens and the, and the baby, uh, as just a little baby dies, it goes to heaven. Well, we know that because we know what the scripture says, right? And so, but there's a lot of people in the, in the, in the church, even today, says, well, if a baby dies, it's going to go to hell because it never accepted Jesus. Well, you know, that's bad doctrine, right? Uh, and that would be a terrible thing to say to a mother. Just like, you know, in fact, I went to my, niece, my nephew's uh, funeral when he was 15. I was probably 20 or so. So, I mean, he was, uh, well, no, I was older than that, but I wasn't much older than that. Uh, and so um, the, the minister got up and said, well, God took him. The minister got up and said, God took this child with a mother sitting on the, my sister sitting on the front row. Uh, well, how comforting is that to a mother that, that, God didn't love you enough. He wanted your son more than you wanted your son, so he just took him from you. That's a ter- that's terrible doctrine to begin with, right? Terrible thing to say from a pulpit um, because it gives no hope, no, no comfort to the parents. It just builds bitterness towards God. Well, God didn't take that child. The devil took the child, right? And, uh, and for whatever reason, the thing, a tragic accident happened and, and the child died and, uh, and, and it's all on the devil. It's not on God. And yet we'll say things like that, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, part of, the, uh, part of that is uh, man's attempt to explain the difficulties of the world that we live in without going to the Bible. They'll look at a circumstance and go, wow, that's really bad. That's really a hard situation. How do we, how, how do we explain that? Well, instead of going to the Word and finding out, well, God doesn't kill. So, okay, well, let's start with that and we'll find the rest of it out later. They go, well... God must kill people still today, right, or, or today. Uh, and so, so it, it was just God. Everything's God. God's in control. Uh, well, that's all of that's bad doctrine, right? And uh, instead of being good st- students of the word and finding out the answer from the word, we just make up stuff, right? Well, well Sister Doodad died sick, so, uh, and she was a saint of God, so therefore God must not heal every time. Because, I mean, if anybody could have got healed, Sister Doodad could have got healed. So we, so much of our doctrine is based upon natural observations. Well, this happened to this person, so biblically that's what that means. And this happened to that person, and so God must not heal. And, and this happened to this person, so God must have taken him. Uh, and uh, blaming everything on God. It's like, you know, there's, there's this little uh, 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 person called the devil that still operates in the earth. And he hates people. And he kills and he steals and he destroys. And if anything looks like killing or stealing or destroying, who's the source of it? Well, the devil is, that should be obvious. I mean, that should be like first grade, kindergarten level doctrine, right? If it looks bad, if it looks like killing, looks like stealing, it looks like destroying, then who did it? Well, the devil did it, right? 
So there's hurricanes, you know, happening in, in Florida. If there's any destruction, who did it? The devil did it. Did God do it? Well, it was the wrath of God, you know. The wrath of God is withheld until the time of tribulation, right? And, and, when that, and that's in order to do away with the sin, right? That's to, to pay for the sins. Well, all of that right now is on hold until that point in time. Between now and then, if there's judgment, it's between us and, and the, the, the house of God and him. The world will not be judged until the end of time, right? Until, until the tribulation. And there may be things that the Lord does uh, to, uh, in, in certain situations, but it's never, the result is not dis destruction, right? In the church, he's going to, um, well, we're not going to get into all of those things there, but, but God's not sending a hurricane uh, to destroy the church or people because if, if he destroys the, the ungodly with the hurricane, how many godly are also destroyed? You know, these things are huge, right? Hundreds of miles in diameter. If he sent it, what if he sent it to judge the church? Well, then, you know, you know six unsaved people will get killed from that too. So if he meant to, to judge the church, and he always judges us separately, right? We're completely, our judgment is completely separate from the world's judgment. The Lord's not going to lump us all in together and judge us that way. Uh, but there's a lot of doctrine that comes out. Well, God did that. You know, God did that, you know. Uh, and, and I know sin does result in judgment, and sometimes, you know, there's things that have to be done. And, uh, but a lot of times we'll just say that. And, and, our, and our desire is we've got to explain why these bad things happen. Well, these bad things happen because this world... It's full of sin. And as long as this world is full of sin, strange things are going to happen. Even, and, it, and it may not have anything to do with the devil. It's just because there's sin in the world. And the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 8 that even the earth groans, right? Because of the weight of sin. The earth groans. Creation groans under this sin. And so things are out of whack, right? Things are out of balance. And they'll stay out of whack and out of balance until we get a new heaven, a new earth. And, and so it's not, it's not always that when a... When a, when a natural disaster occurs that either the devil or god had his hand in it oftentimes it's just because the weight of sin in the earth as a whole has caused the earth to get out of balance and out of whack uh, and so uh, but uh, paul said i'm not tr always trying to find something new so that's what uh, dr frame told us teachers said you need to quit being under so much pressure to come up with something new you know it, it, uh, a lot of times uh, when i teach things you know when i get done with a particular series Lord, what do you want me to teach him? And a lot of times you say, well, go back and teach that, that message over there. Something I've already taught, you know, uh, and, and I've done that many times. And I always go back through and refresh my notes, make sure there's anything new the Lord wants to add to it, you know, and I, and I update them and add new scriptures and add new insight that the Lord has given to us over the years. Uh, but a lot of times it's go back and teach this thing, right? Go back and teach, uh, again, this particular message. Uh, and and I'm, a, I'm fine with that. If the Lord says to do it, then it's got to be, uh, a value right uh, you uh, have you can you recite every message that we've taught here ever uh, you know in, in the 14 years we've been pastoring I don't think so I couldn't do it right and so um, you know I've got my books back there every now and then I'll go back and reread my whole book just read the reread the whole thing like on the, on the heart or the will of man I'll go back I mean I wrote it but I still you know this is pretty good you know and I think I, I wish I wrote that you know and I look, oh I did write that and, uh, and so uh, because it's revelation, right? If it's revelation, then it can be taught over and over again, amen? Uh, so we shouldn't be under pressure, and, and what happens many times is, uh, and, and you, we talked a little bit about this the other day, about Pharisees. It's always Pharisees are always trying to come up with some new doctrine, right? They've got to, they've got to change the entire thing, right? I remember we had one fellow come through here one time, and he said, well, you know, um, 
God doesn't, uh, uh, when you get spirit-filled, uh, it was never the plan of God for everybody to speak with other tongues. And, and I said, so, so you want to upend a hundred years of, of Pentecostal doctrine that great men and women spent decades to kind of bring out of the, out of the word of God and, and see if it fits with the whole counsel of God and make sure it fits with the prophecies and make sure it fits with the gospels and make sure it fits with the epistles and, and, and they've studied and sweat and, and brought this doctrine out and, and looked at it from six different ways and yeah, it's, it really, this is really bulletproof uh, doctrine and you're just going to flippantly throw that out like, it, like you got some new doctrine that, that 100 years is fine, right? That, and, and all these great men and women of God have brought out and i'm talking about major doctrines i'm not talking about you know minor doctrines uh you know like how long should your hair be uh but i'm talking about major pentecostal doctrines for example right that god's our healer uh you know that that's not really a pentecostal doctrine it's a biblical doctrine right but did, did we did the pentecostal church really bring that back into uh, into use and an active use in the church we did right uh but uh people want to destroy all that right and get rid of all of that and well i've got something new you know uh and, and they were trying to say about how um and they pulled one verse out of like first or second peter and they put, pulled one verse one word out of that verse and said see the old testament saints could be saved just like we are and i said but if you look up that word it's a generic word that could mean a, a lot of different things and it could the King James translated the way you are, the way you're saying it, but the original Greek, Greek could have been translated many ways, and so you've got to look at the whole counsel of God. What's the correct way to translate this word? And, and then if it fits with the whole counsel of God, fine, but they didn't do that. They, they took that one word out of that one verse and upended all, all Pentecostal doctrine, which, and really all, all the biblical doctrine. It says that before Jesus, nobody got born again. After Jesus, everybody could get born again. That's the doctrine, right? Well, they, no, people before could have been born again too. Well, that didn't make any sense because it doesn't fit with the redemption. Why did Jesus have to come if people could get born again before he came? Why did Jesus have to come at all, right? Because being born again is what qualifies you to get you into heaven. So, but what about Abraham's bosom, right? Uh, and, you know, I went, I, I tried to explain to him just one verse. I said, well, you know, that verse doesn't fit. Because, you know, I could go through the whole counsel of God and show why what their one word doesn't fit with everything else. I said, what about this verse? And then he just like, they just... Uh, you know, I mean, it may sound gross, but it's like they vomited on the phone, just give me all this, all this intellectualism that didn't even make any sense, right? And look, I've got a lot of education. I know a lot of $64 words, and it, it didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and when it doesn't make any sense to me, I mean, that doesn't mean I'm the smartest person in the world, but I mean, you, if you can lose me in a, in a conversation about biblical doctrine because you're $64 words, I mean, you're, you're way out there, right? Uh, and so, but the, see, the goal is I've got to have something new. I've got to have something brand new that nobody else knows so I can get attention. See, the, the, they don't appreciate the, the reason why that's such a drive is I've got to, I've got to get attention. And, and if my goal is to get attention, then my goal is to obtain the glory of men. I want you to look at me and say, wow, he is awesome. Look at this awesome doctrine. Nobody else has got this doctrine. Uh, and... When, you, when, you, when that's what's driving you, you will come up with new doctrine. You will come up with brand new things. You know, there's one minister right now. Uh, I'm not going to mention their names because we're, you know, we're, we're, we're alive here. But, uh, but if you went 10 years ago and looked at their doctrine, you know, it was whatever it was right here. Didn't always like the doctrine the way they said it. But, you know, it was, it, for the most part, it was, it was pretty sound. 
But today, he said, all that stuff I said 10 years ago, it's all gone. I got something brand new right now, brand new. None of that stuff was true. All this is brand new. Well, you were pretty close 10 years ago. Now you're really far off now, right? You were a little off 10 years ago, but now you're really far off now. Why? Because of that drive, I've got to come up with something new. But Paul said, he said, uh, and I mean, using the exact words that, that he said there, to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous. It's not troublesome. It's not irksome. It doesn't bother me to, to write to you the same things. Well, the same things as what? Same things he told the Ephesians. Same things he told the Galatians. Same things he told the Colossians. Uh, same thing, you know, he's telling, you know, if you go through the book of Colossians, it looks like, a, like he plagiarized the book of Ephesians, except in a smaller scale. In the Colossians, right? And a lot of things in Colossians are found in Philippians too, but it's most, most closely lined up with Ephesians. Did it bother Paul? No, it didn't bother Paul at all, right? And so if, uh, it should be healthy for us to hear the same message uh, repeated on occasion, right? Uh, one, one pastor, uh, he was older, and every day he'd get up, every Sunday for a year, he'd get up and talk about the love of God, you know, for God to love the world. And they kind of thought after a while, you know, he must, he, must be, he must be losing it, right? I mean, he just keeps repeating the same thing over and over again, right? And so they finally kind of went to him and said, Pastor, uh, why do you keep preaching the same message to us? And he looked at him and said, well, he said, as soon as you all get it, I'll go on to something else. And so, you know, uh, it was their fault, right? They hadn't got it. They weren't walking in love, right? And so he kept over over again, let's walk in love. Shut up. Well, okay, next week, let's walk in love. Well, who do you, you know, who do you think you are? All right, next week, let's walk in love. Give me that last chicken leg. All right, next week, let's walk in love. You know, that's my chair. Next week, let's walk in love. You know, I mean, you, you think after a while, you'd get it. Because I can guarantee you if, you, if you really had an open heart, if somebody said, let's look at Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in my hearts every Sunday. If you really had a heart for the Lord, you would, let's see what he gets out of it today. You know, you could preach on, on, on Romans 5, 5 for a year, right? That's only 52 services. Uh, you could do that. I could do that. I mean, we preach on Philippians. You know, my notes said 2020, right? I started this December of 2020. That's when my notes started. I don't, I don't remember, call, you know, I have to go back and look at my notes when we actually started the message. That, uh, but I started studying it, opened up the, my notes here for this book on December, uh, two days before Christmas in 2020, right? And here we are. Two years later, we're just halfway through the book, right? Um, so the, the point is, what's your heart, right? If I, if I mention a verse, you know, one person just fussed at me so much about, they said, I'm not teaching them anything. Because I was teaching uh, out of the book of Deuteronomy. And I, and I personally, I thought, man, this is a great message. I enjoyed teaching it. It was, it was talking about, remember, we talked about the promised land and how the Lord made all these uh, promises to the nation of Israel. So all of these promises only exist when you get to the promised land. And the whole point of it was the promised land represents a type to the church that we live in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? And so uh, the, the Red Sea represented our removal out of the world into the church, right? So that's the baptism of water, right? Out of the world into the church. And then the, the, the Jordan River then was the second baptism, and the second baptism is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we move out of that time of the wilderness where all the provision was done by sovereign acts of God, right? They got the manna from heaven. They got the quail. They got the different things. And then we cross the Jordan River. And, and, and if you look at the story, the Jordan River, when they crossed the Jordan River, seven days after, I think it was seven days after they crossed Jordan River, the manna stopped. 
Then they had to have faith. They had to have their own faith for the crops, right? Their own faith for the... Now, the Lord blessed them with cities they didn't build, vineyards they didn't grow, right? All kinds of blessings that increased when they got to uh, the promised land. But all those promises, all the blessings arrived on the other side of the Jordan River. And so we went through all of that, right? So here's another promise. This, this resides only after you get baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the point, the, the, driving, the driving point of the whole message, and we, of course we spent weeks, you know, because we're really slow around here, right? But you, you okay with me spending weeks on it? You're fine with it, right? But every now and then you get a Pharisee who doesn't like it, right? Uh, and so, and I don't care. Uh, but uh, the whole point of it was, here's another promise. This resides in the promised land. And I had somebody just get up when I said, let's turn on Deuteronomy. They got up when I said that and left the church. Because I said, we're going back to Deuteronomy again. They got up and left the church. Well, it's not anything new. Got up and left the church, you know. And I wanted to say, you big baby, you know. Uh, of course, I didn't say that, but um, uh, you're not teaching us anything new. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous. But for you, it is safe. See, if you demand something new, you're in an unsafe position, right? For you, it is safe. If you've you got to come up with something new, then you are in an unsafe spiritual position, right? You will make up doctrine. Uh, and I had some people one time come, uh, this new guy, you've got to hear this new guy, right? I never heard of him. Uh, you've, got, you've got these great videos, you know? And I thought, wow, I mean, they're really going on about this guy. Right? I never heard of him. And, and, you know, if you tell me about somebody that I never heard of, I want to know what's his legacy, you know, where did he grow up spiritually, right? Under whose ministry did he grow up? I mean, if you look at me, you know, I grew up under my pastor. He was a graduate of Rhema Bible Training Center. So, you know, my legacy is Brother Hagen, right? Some people hate that. It's your problem, not mine, right? None of you all hate it, but, you know, other Pharisees hate that. Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> so, you know, where they come from, right? Where they come up with this thing? You know, because there's not any new Pauls, right? There, there was one Paul. And we all build upon Paul's revelation, right? There's not going to be any new Paul's to get new revelation. There's no new revelation. It all comes from the Word of God. Uh, and so uh, you've got to hear this guy. He's great. He's amazing, right? And, and, I, and so he had these, all these short videos on, on YouTube, right? So I thought, all right. So I call it opposition research, right? I'm going to go listen to it, you know. I don't consider them my, uh, my opposition until we get done with it. Then I go, okay, now they're my opposition. I don't like anything they said. So, you know, the short, short five-minute videos, I, I, watched, I watched, I don't know, five or ten of them. I mean, several of them, you know. And that, like the first second, I thought, oh, is, you know, I don't like the, how this guy's dressed. You know, his, his tone and attitude, you know, kind of a rebellious, you know, I've got to be different than everybody else kind of mentality, right? And, and I don't like that because I, well, I shouldn't build my doctrine upon rebellion. If my goal is to, is to do something differently because you're doing something, well, that's just rebellion. That's just me comparing myself to you. Uh, and uh, we'll get back to those videos in a second. But, you know, uh, there, there was one person one time, the Lord, the Lord showed me that they were a very unique person, right? How they fixed their hair, how they dressed, or whatever. And the Lord showed me that they're doing all of that because they looked over here and saw how they were doing something and wanted to be different than that. Well, that's wrong. Now, now look, we are all unique individuals, right? There are, all, there are very unique aspects of us, our, our personality, what we like to do, what we don't like to do, all that's fine, right? I think the Lord's made us all unique individuals, fine. And I want to become whoever the Lord made me, right? I want to become the most of, of me that the Lord made me to be. And, and that's fine, right? And, and so, and I've had people, you know, I've had people uh, kind of imply to me, ministers, 
you know, my background is I, I was an engineer, right? I, I was trained. I have engineering degrees, and I worked as an engineer, so I'm a very analytical person, very studious person. I like, I like academics. I like, I like studying. Uh, well, everybody's not that way, right? My wife was also a degree engineer. If she never went to another day of school the rest of her life, she'd be happy, right? I'm always thinking, I wonder if I could go to school for that, you know? I wonder, I wonder if I, you know, what, what do I have time to go to school for that? And, and, you know, I haven't gone back to school, you know, really. I, mean, I, did, I did get a certificate or a license recently about some stuff, but I uh, had to go to school for that or study for it, uh, not school. But, um, but to me, it's, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. If, if the Lord told me to go and do something, you know, academically, I'd, I'd go do it, you know, and, and be glad to look forward to it, right? Uh, the Lord hasn't done that in a while. But, but uh, so, so that makes me me, right? I like technical things. I like reading manuals. You know, that's just me. I've always been that way. I will always be that way, right? Now, if I says, you know, I need to adjust it, fine, right? If, I'm, if I get too, because sometimes you can get out of balance in that, right? Uh, and, uh, and forget that the Lord exists. Well, well, you know, they got mad at me one time because I read, a, I read an owner's manual about some equipment. And they said, you should know that by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost should tell you which button to push. I'm thinking, well, this, isn't this an owner's manual? Isn't this literally our owner's manual for life on the earth? Does the Holy Ghost just ignore what this Bible says and just give us revelation outside of this? No, we read the owner's manual, right? And the person who built that machine has got revelation of how that machine should work. Don't you think they would know what those buttons are for and the best way to use those buttons? I mean, could the Lord, could the Lord supernaturally tell you? He could. But it's unlikely that he would because there's already a manual for that. Somebody who did that already knows what to do with it. Now, if it's something beyond what the manual says... The Lord could give us revelation. The Lord many times, as, as a sound man, gave me revelation. Here's how to fix this thing. There's no manual that tells you how to fix that thing. This took supernatural revelation. But to know which button and knob to push, I'll read the manual. And they got so mad at me. How dare you? You know, you're, you're so carnal. That's just me. And other people, you know, other people hate the manual. They open up a box, got a manual. First thing they do is burn it. I'm never, I'm, I don't read manuals, you know. Fine, you know, if that's, you know, live on the edge if you want to. I don't care, you know, found me, right? And I don't care. I mean, it doesn't matter. If you're, if you're not a manual reader, is that wrong? There's no, no ethical situation there, right? Uh, and so they got mad at me because I was, I'm, I'm a man. Anybody else in here a manual reader? You know, nobody else. You're just going to get halfway, halfway through. Right? <laughs> you read a manual when you get stuck, right? Uh, I'm going to try it first, right? And, and, and see, I've already been that road so many times. Like, yeah, what's that? Yeah, kick this tire first, right? Let's see if I can figure it out, you know, and, um, um, and that's fine. It's completely wrong, but it's fine if you want to be that way, right? And so, but I don't care. I mean, it, it, it doesn't bother me at all. Anybody who's not a manual reader, fine, no problem at all, right? If you, Johnny could look at it, he could probably write the manual, right? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, they, they wrote the manual wrong in that case. Uh, and so, uh, so anyway, so, uh, um, uh, so the Lord told me about this person. He said, the reason why they're different is because they're rebellious. They're trying to be different for different sake. Right, to looking around out there, how do, I, how do I make myself more visible? I'm going to be different from everybody else. Well, that's wrong. Now, now we're all individuals, and we all can stand out on our own, amen? And, and that should be fine, because all of you are very unique people, right? All of you got things that you like to do, things that interest you, uh, your, your, your tone and your, uh, your personality, it's, and, and I believe it's all God-given, right? If we, if we live in what God has given to us, we're fine. But, but when I look around and say, well... You know, you got short hair, you got short hair, you got, okay, I'm going to grow my hair out. That'll be different. And that's kind of what they did, right? They looked at everybody and go, I'm going to be different from all of you. 
Well, that's just, that's just plain of rebellion. That, that shows no love for the body of Christ. For me, I'm always like, what have you got that I don't have? Okay, I'm going to add that to my life. What have you got that I don't know? I'm going to add that to my life. What have you got that's unique to you? Okay, I'm going to add that to my life because that's you and that's something I don't have. And I can go to every single person I know and say, this person right here has helped me in this area. This person right here has shown me this, right? And it may be, you know, they got nice hair. I mean, that may be, that may be all I can find, right? But okay, they got nice hair, then I got nice hair, right? Uh, and so, so I was watching these videos and, and this person, their doctrine was simple church, uh, the simple church. And so they came up with this new doctrine, brand new doctrine, simple church. God doesn't want all this stuff right here all out of the will of God. Buildings, chairs, air conditioning, sound systems, recordings, uh, live streaming. None of it's the will of God. All of it's out of the will of God. The will of God is get rid of all this stuff and just go back to our house. Just meet. You don't, you don't need churches. You don't need buildings. Simple church, right? And you come to my house and I'll go to your house. Well, number one, they, dealt, they did away with the, the whole fivefold ministry, right? No apostles, no prophets, no evangelists, no pastors, no teachers. You come to me and you give me money, right? You come to me and, and um, you know, uh, uh, you pay attention to me. Uh, and, and so that was a new doctrine. Does that sound like a new doctrine? You think we should get rid of every church building that's been around since Jesus was here, right? Didn't they have church buildings? Surely they had church buildings in, in Jerusalem where they had 80,000 people in church. They had to have a building somewhere because they had had to wait on tables where you think those tables were. They were in buildings, right? Uh, and the church of Antioch, you know, the second largest church in the, in, the, in the New Testament, you know, hundreds, probably thousands of people there. The estimate for Jerusalem was there were about 80,000 people in a church. You, you're telling me they didn't have a building. They had a building. You tell me the church at Antioch didn't have a building. They had a building. Uh, and what, where did Jesus go most of his preaching? If he wasn't in a temple, where was he? He was in the synagogues, right? Now, he, would, he did also go and do open-air meetings because he'd have four or 5,000 people. None of the buildings back then could hold that many people. So he'd do open-air meetings, but he would also go to the synagogues, the buildings, right, the structures. Did he ever say the structure was wrong? Did he ever say these synagogues, you'd burn them all down, let's just meet on the grass under the tree? No, he never did that, right? Uh, and uh, and so, so, you know, when you look at the whole council of God, that seems like a weird doctrine, right? Well, you mean get rid of the buildings. Where are people going to meet? Meet in my house. Well, you know, I don't want you all in my house. There's too many of you, right? Especially on Sunday mornings, you know. I, I mean, we might get squeezed in my house, but it'd be uncomfortable after a while, right? Well, you don't need to have that big of a church. So Jerusalem was wrong. Antioch was wrong. First Corinthians, Corinthians was wrong. Uh, the church at Rome was wrong. All those churches, they're all wrong. All the biblical churches, the seven churches in, in, in uh, uh, the Revelation is all wrong. You see, it's just dumb doctrine. It's, and, 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 you know, and I don't care. I mean, in a sense to me, it's like, okay, people come up with new doctrine every day. It's dumb doctrine with a desire just to be new for new sake. That's not the issue. The issue is when anybody listens to them, right? Because there's people all the time got crazy, weird ideas. And if nobody would listen to them, they'd just go away, right? But the problem is somebody goes, oh, this guy's crazy. And these people were, quote, biblical scholars, right, who were telling me this. I know the Bible. I can quote the whole book of Ephesians. They told me that. I can quote the whole book of Ephesians. I mean, we ought to read it at least once, you know. I don't care if you, you know, can quote it. How are you living it? Are you doing what it says? Clearly not, right? If you, if you can listen to a guy like this and says he's great doctrine, and nothing about this fellow, how he looked, how he spoke, the words that he said, his doctrine, nothing was of interest to me at all. Zero. I mean, it was a zero all the way across. I listened to multiple uh, uh, messages of his, all zeros. Everyone, I'm not going to tell you who it was. It's not important about running down a, a particular person. But 
the problem is people were, you know, this guy's great. New, something new, right? Simple church, get rid of everything. Completely change everything we've done for the last 2,000 years because there's been a complete waste, completely wrong. So nobody's ever got saved in church. Nobody's ever got healed in church. Well, that's just not true. Have people got saved in church buildings? Every, every day people get saved in church buildings. Have people got healed in church buildings? Probably every day people get healed in church buildings. So does the Lord care? He doesn't care. But if you're going to do away with the fivefold ministry, he will care about that. Right? If you're going to get rid of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, he will care about that because he is the head of the church. Establish those, right? So, so he said, it's safe for you. See, uh, for your, it, it's to your benefit to hear a message more than once, right? Because will you, do you ever get the, everything the message teaches? I remember one time my pastor was teaching, uh, and um, uh, he, every time he taught this particular thing, uh, part of his doing it is he'd go lay down on, he'd lay down on the ground on, on the stage, right? And, uh, and so just one particular time he was doing this, and I thought, wow, this is really a great message, you know? And so we were, we were traveling somewhere together. I would travel with on occasion. I'd say, I said, Pastor, I said, that was a really good message. You know, why have you never taught that before? He said, I've taught that many times before. He said, you just never got it till now. And I got to thinking, you know, you're right. I remember you laying down on the, on, the, on the stage at other times talking about the exact same message, and I never got it. Why, why didn't I get it? Just where I was spiritually, just at that point in time, you know, I didn't get it. But the second, third, or, you know, it could have been the fourth time that he taught it. It clicked. Like, okay, yeah, that makes sense, right? Uh, and so is that safe for you to do that? Uh, sure it is, right? Uh, and, and so, you know, the, the, thing that, the thing that I would encourage you to do is you've got to, you've got to check your heart. If I say open up the book of Philippians, right? Because how long have we said let's open up the book of Philippians on Wednesday nights? Well, about two years, right? If I say let's open the book of Philippians and your heart goes, oh, here we go again. I'd check your own heart. You know, I would check your heart because if you don't think that there can't be any new revelation that comes out of the book of Philippians, you already read the whole book. It's only four chapters. I already read the whole, cha- whole book. If you don't think we can come up with any new revelation that will help your life, see, that's an error on your part. You will be found to be in an unsafe position. You will uh, be in a position that is unsafe for your spiritual life. And, and you will then be driven that I've got to find new doctrine. I've got to go follow this guy who just threw away his last 10 years of doctrine and it's coming up with brand new doctrine. I, that's the guy I want to follow. That is not the guy. That's the last guy I want to follow. I want to follow the guy who's been saying the same thing for, for 70 years and just built upon that. You know, he built a new brick on it today, a new foundation, a new room on it. Yes, tomorrow, you know, a new roof on it the next day. Still the same thing, but okay, we've got some more insight in that thing there that makes more sense too, right? Uh, instead of going, yeah, everything I taught you yesterday, throw it all away. Well, how can you trust something like that? What's it going to do 10 years from now? Everything I taught you for the last 20 years is all wrong. Let me come up with something even brand newer, 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 right? Uh, see, it's, it's unsafe to write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but to you, but for you, it is safe. So is it, is it safe for us to be that way? Is it safe for, for, for you to be okay if your pastor opens up to the same message, right? Same, same uh, verse. I mean, there, there are some verses uh, when we got to Ephesians 4.11 talked about the fivefold ministry gifts, we went off on that same verse for months, right? Uh, but we, of course, we built upon it and, and went to other, other scriptures besides that one, but that was our core verse that we went on for, and talked about the whole fivefold ministry gifts and how they work. So the, the, thing about, the thing about us that we have to be careful of is when, when a minister 
it says open up to the same, same verse. Um, you've got to be careful about checking your heart, right? Because if, if your desire is, I've got to hear something new, then what you're saying is there's nothing new in any one verse. I know all that there is to know about that verse. And do any of us know all there is to know about any verse? Well, we, I mean, we say that intellectually, but do we believe that, right? We, in our minds, oh, yeah, yeah, you don't get all. But, but what's your attitude when I say open up to Philippians chapter 2, right, or Philippians chapter 3? Um, now you, of course, you all do great. And, you know, and, and again, I, even the people that have come and done these things in the past, I'm not mad at any of them, but I'm concerned for them because I believe they are in an unsafe place, right? Because if they're, dri- they're driving, they've got to upend 100 years of Pentecostal doctrine. See, I'm just... I'm not, I'm not opposed to anything. I'm not opposed to any new doctrine. Uh, but if you're just going to throw away with that because you desire to have something new, I'm suspicious. Because, I, because I've looked at those doctrines myself from every which way because I don't just buy, buy it because somebody says it. I look at it from this angle, look at it from that angle, you know, research the scriptures and, and, and look at it from a hundred different ways. And, uh, and I'm, I'm confident that those things are correct and accurate. And, and that, like I said, that one fellow that, that totally ended up the whole doctrine was based on one word of one verse only. That was the whole thing. And he took that one word and that one verse and threw away all this doctrine. And, and I looked at it for five seconds. I mean, I didn't even spend a lot of time. Five seconds, I looked up the word in the Vines Concordance or Vines Dictionary and said, this word can mean this, 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 or this. So as a, as a translator, which one should you pick? Well, you should pick one that fits with the whole counsel of God, right? You shouldn't pick one that, that kind of changes everything. Because that wouldn't make any sense. That'd be poor, that'd be poor doctrine, right? All the scripture should build upon itself. And it wasn't, a ma- it wasn't even a major thing. To me, it was a minor thing. It's like, oh yeah, you read it correctly when you read it. Uh, but for them, they, 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 they picked up this one thing and built this entire new doctrine. And, uh, and the problem with that is their new doctrine made no sense. It, it didn't make any sense. It didn't fit anything. Uh, and it wasn't that it was too hard to understand. It just... It, it, it completely redid all of, all of uh, the doctrine that we know uh, that we built upon all of these years. Amen? And, and, and you know, when I look at these doctrines that the church has built up over these years, they make more sense to me, right? And the more I study them, the more they make sense, right? The more they fit with all the counsel of God. This one threw it all away. said, I've got something brand new. It's like, well, that doesn't fit. That doesn't make any sense, right? You just made that up. And I tried to explain it to them and just, no, 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 no. You know, what do you know? You're, you don't know nothing. Fine, I mean, but, you know, I mean, I don't know anything that can be known compared to what can be known. I don't know anything. Uh, but I have learned one or two things over the years, right? And so, anyway, so just be safe, right? Uh, be safe and, and um, always be uh, concerned when somebody says, I've got something brand new to you. And I'm throwing away, just take everything you've ever learned about this thing and throw it all away. If someone says that, you go. That makes, that makes me feel unsafe right because uh, that's in my heart that's what i do it's like i that, i don't i don't really like that right I mean, uh, and so because that violates the word of god doesn't it violate what paul just said if it violates the word of god i'm suspicious of it amen uh, and so let's pray and thank the lord for his word today so father we thank you for your word and father we thank you that that it's not grievous to to preach the same thing more than once father and it is safe for us to hear the same message more than once father so that we get it settled in our hearts uh, we see how it fits in the whole counsel of god we see how it applies to our individual lives, Father, and that, that takes time. That takes repetition, Father. Repetition is a great is a great teacher in our life, and so, Father, we thank you that uh, when we do hear the verse again, Father, that uh, we'll not uh, roll our eyes and our hearts and 
and say, here we go again. And, and we already know all there is to know about that. And Father, we, we thank you for the goodness of your word that teaches us to help us to be safe. Father, it is safe to hear these things more than once. It's to our advantage to hear these things more than once. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, if you, if you uh, listen to Brother Hagin much, uh, he'll, he will, on a regular basis, open up to Mark eleven twenty three, 23, right? Uh, and, and people accused him of writing Mark eleven twenty three, right? He didn't write Mark eleven twenty three, but but that's how he got up off his deathbed was Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Uh, and so the Lord said, you go teach people faith. You learn faith, you know, both by uh, precept and example, by the things that you've uh, studied and the things that you've gone through. Uh, and so that's what he did. He, oh, let's turn to Mark eleven twenty three. I love it every time. I still, when I listen to him, and he's turning to Mark 11, okay, let's see what he says today, right? Yeah, yeah I know. How many times in the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, and, and, and the sad part about that is that's not even a New Testament prayer, right? As far as the church goes, you know, we learn from it. We're going to get to it when we get to Matthew chapter 6. But, uh, I mean, hundreds of times, right? Maybe more than that. Anything wrong with that? No, you know, we could do a little better than that, right? Because he doesn't even use the name of Jesus in there. But, um, but still, you know, uh, repetition, right? Psalm 23. How many times have you heard Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, it's good, right? It's good to hear those things. How many times have we opened up Psalm 91 and just preached the whole thing, right? All 16 verses. I mean, we've gone through Psalm 91. Every now and then we get that wild hair. Let's go through Psalm 91. I love it, you know. And we'll just go through the whole 16 verses right then, you know. Just forget what we're doing. Just go through it again. Because uh, every time, I love, every time we do it, I love it, you know, because it's inspiration of the Lord uh, when we do that. And so, but we've done that. I know we've done it at least three or four times, right? The whole thing, all 16 verses in one, one, um, one service, right? Which is nearly a miracle for me to get through 16 verses in one, one service, right? So uh, would Jared come ahead? Let's receive this evening's offering. And so I just, uh, for, for me, as a, both as a minister and as a Christian, I'm just always concerned when I hear people try to, try to um, uh, tell us that they've got some brand new thing. Because I love, I love Revelation, which is a brand new thing, right? But, if they, but Revelation should build upon itself, right? It shouldn't be destroying everything. Now, sometimes we've got to fix things. You know, some things, there's some doubt and unbelief, right? There's some uh, old uh, mentality of things we've got to adjust, you know, fine, right? But there should be solid biblical reasonings for that. Uh, and, and usually what should happen is we become more spiritual, right? We become uh, more accurate in our doctrine. And so... Uh, you know, just like God doesn't heal every time. Well, we need to get rid of that one, right? That's not true, right? We've got to tarry to receive the Holy Ghost. Well, we've got to get rid of that one, right? Because that's not a sound biblical doctrine, amen? Uh, and so there are plenty of things we had to get rid of, but we got something better, right? Well, we don't have to tarry to, to receive the Holy Ghost, right? Is not having church in a church building, is that better? It's, just, it's not better, it's just different. Uh, and really, it's not better at all because we forsake the assembling ourselves together. So anyway, praise God. Uh, don't forget we have... Um, um, a church meal on Sunday, right? And so uh, Chris will be back with us on Friday night. And uh, she's as far away, she's about as far away on the North American continent from the hurricane as she can get, right? She's way up in Western Canada. So she's pretty safe from the hurricane, right? But she still has to land on Friday, right? So uh, but be praying for the people that we do know that are in, down there, you know, and, and um, there's a lot of churches we know down there. So uh, be blessed and we'll see you all on Sunday.